Welcome to the Organized Chaos Cafe. I'm your host, Ben Chan. I hope we can talk a bit about project leadership, transformation, and containing a bit of today's craziness. So I am delighted today to go and bring to you Christiana Manzoko, who's going to talk a little bit about startups and venture capital. And what I'm interested in are what are some of the qualities and characteristics, as well as quantitative pieces that startups and founders need to go and have in place in order to increase their chances of success. So come on, let's go and join the conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Organized Chaos Cafe. And today, for my guest, I have Christiana Manzoko. She's the Director of Industry Development and Investment Associate with Alberta Enterprise Corporation. And she develops venture capital and the technology industry within Alberta and investing in high quality venture funds. Uh, alongside that, as if she's not busy enough, she's also the Interim Executive Director for Start Alberta, where they help guide the strategic direction of the deal flow platform, which basically matches up startups and their with funds and investors. And so she's a multi-industry talented management consultant and all around awesome person. Uh, I had the pleasure of working with her for a brief period of time uh, where she's worked on various local and international accounts. And so thanks so much for joining us today in the Organized Chaos Cafe. Thanks for having me, Ben. What a completely flattering introduction. Thanks for that. Did I, did I miss anything? <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. You, you said too much already. And I mean, there's so many nice things I could say about you and our time working together, but I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah. So first of all, how are you? How's how's pandemic life been treating you? Oh, pandemic life. Um, you know, it's been fine. Um, I, I wouldn't say that I was one of those folks who had a lot of downtime during the pandemic. Uh, things were just as busy in our industry uh, in the tech industry and the venture capital industry here in Alberta throughout. And actually, it was one of the busiest periods we've ever had. Uh, we exceeded venture capital milestones, doubled the venture capital volume this year compared to last year. Um, so it's been a really busy period. In terms of pandemic life, um, you know, I watched Tiger King just like everyone else to start. <laughs> and uh, and then things got a little bit less fun. Uh, there was a lot of makeshift kind of prison workouts that my husband and I would do to try and stay fit. And <laughs> you got creative. But no, it was fine. Thanks. My family was all safe and as good as can be expected. No, well, that's awesome to hear. And what, what do you think was probably the biggest challenge for you to work through during the pandemic with, you know, your job and I guess home life as well, right? With prison workouts and whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it should be noted, my husband is a former um, professional athlete. He was a bobsledder and also a personal trainer. So we got really creative. So that's where the prison workouts come from. But um, I would say the biggest challenge for me probably was that, um, you know, I think like a lot of people, I struggled to separate work life and personal life. Um, so I just found I really doubled down on work, which in a lot of ways wasn't super healthy. Um, I got into baking sourdough bread like everybody else to try and to offset uh, that kind of work, constant work life. Um, but at the same time, it turned out to be a very positive 
time period in terms of productivity. Uh, because over the past year and a half, that's really been when we've drilled down into the Start Alberta initiative. And, you know, I turned to my partners in this and I said, you know, I'm tired of seeing it not get momentum. It's time to double down, to make a plan around this, a strategy to get the right people at the table to really make this scale and to have it become the full potential that we all knew it could be. Um, so from that standpoint, it was a good period to really focus on work and to make change happen. Mm -hmm. No, certainly. I mean, my wife made some sourdough bread as well. <laughs> I, I totally didn't get the, the process of it. It's like you have to feed the Whoa. sourdough bread. And I'm kind of like, wait a minute, I should be feeding off of you. That's not how this works. No, but I don't know. It's a whole process unto itself. I know that. It is. And it should be noted, I did eventually kill my sourdough starter out of neglect. So <laughs> I still feel bad about it, but it was nice while it lasted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I guess shifting over into, you know, the VC area and entrepreneurship inside of Alberta, I mean, I I would say even just from an external point of view, we've seen this whole shift of momentum inside of it, right? Like I, what I thought I saw before was, you know, there's a bunch of energy oil and gas guys who are like, oh yeah, I'd love to go and invest in startups. But the mentality of it wasn't necessarily of like, I'll make a lot of small bets hoping they'll pay off. They're kind of look, looking for all of the sure bets and there's no there's no real sure bet inside of the the startup space right and um but now we're seeing things like you know tds test driven solutions they're starting up their north american headquarters inside of calgary and uh even there's the rbc innovation hub that that was announced just a little while ago and you know i'm i'm almost seeing it as calgary is almost being primed to be like a late blooming austin or houston kind of kind of space, right? Where it, investment used to be in Vancouver and Toronto, but now we're really starting to go and see more interest in building that inside of Calgary, right? So what's changed in, let's say, the past two or three years that's that's moved that investment strategy? Mm -hmm. Well, those are some really good observations from your side, Ben. I mean, the momentum has been huge over the past couple of years. Um, but speaking to folks who have been in industry now for 10 years and, and who have been dedicatedly uh, putting resources and their time toward the tech industry, it really is a 10-year overnight success story in that way. Um, so there's been so many pieces that government and service providers and entrepreneurs and investors have been doing right and putting their time toward over the past 10 years. And so now we are finally starting to see those um, those inputs come to fruition. So from that standpoint, I wouldn't say there's any one thing that has changed or contributed to it over the past couple of years. Um, I would say that certain economic development or um, policy levers that have been pulled um, have been very good ones. Like for instance, Alberta Enterprise Corporation were a fund of funds and we've been around since 2010. The government has put $350 million towards us investing into venture capital funds. And so we have seen the results of that investment through being able to bring in that many more venture capital funds to become active in the province and to have 
a boots on the ground, senior investment professional providing mentorship to these startups, getting very active in the ecosystem, going to events, et cetera. And of course, actually investing their capital into these startups. And so that has really gotten the flywheel turning and that capital has seeded really thousands of, of startups uh, being able to grow, hire more people, and then even to see that full cycle take place where these startups are now scaling and then they're exiting. And then those who exited the startups are now becoming the investors. And the staff who was there since the beginning, you know, the C-suite executives who also exited, they're going on and starting their additional startups. And so it really is this, this beautiful um, cycle, I guess, that we've seen in more mature ecosystems. And now Alberta is seeing the benefit of that as well. And then lastly, I would say that although it's taken us a while to, to understand tech and even the benefits of the innovation ecosystem for our economy, um, now we as a province are very much bought into this, clearly. Um, and the growth rate we're seeing relative to more, eco more mature ecosystems is inspiring. So we're growing by leaps and bounds quarter over quarter. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like getting that flywheel spinning and now it's, it's starting to be able to ride its own momentum to move it. And it only took what, 10 years, <laughs> <laughs> only 10 years, but yeah. I mean, we've, we've, but that's the nature of the plans, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've only been working on this for that long, right? I mean, yeah. relative to more mature ecosystems like Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver as well. Um, they've mm -hmm. been at this for longer than we have. Right. And, and is there a risk that some of these new organizations that are finding new life, these startups, that they go off to, you know, the sexy places like Silicon Valley and things like that? Because, I mean, that was always a little bit of a concern. Um, I know uh, when the one of those, and I, I believe it's Rocketfish or one of these other um, startup venture funds, they'd have the office here, but then a lot of those companies we would see then go down to the States instead of staying locally and building it here. But we're starting to see, I mean, an example would be Neo Financial, where they're putting their headquarters in Calgary. They're putting another office inside of Winnipeg and really investing more locally. Mm -hmm. Well, there's always that risk, of course. I mean, especially now, right? We are a global world. And entrepreneurs will go where they can get access to capital, access to mentorship, as well as customers, right? And in many ways, we encourage entrepreneurs maintaining their presence here, growing here, and, and leveraging all the benefits that Alberta has to provide to up and coming businesses, right? Um, but at the same time, those businesses do need to look other places for certain elements that will help them grow, right? Um, and so it's it would be quite common for a startup to go other places to raise capital, depending on their industry. Uh, because we as an ecosystem, we're not quite there yet in terms of being able to provide capital to all startups at all levels of their development along the funding continuum. Um, and also when it comes to accessing mentorship in certain areas. And so um, that would be something that we would encourage startups to do, to look elsewhere for some of these elements, but to stay in Alberta to scale their company, not just because of 
tax breaks or, or something like that, although those are, of course, compelling elements. Um, but because of what Alberta has to offer in terms of quality of life, um, you know, in, in terms of the talent they can hire here for usually a much better price than in some of these other places. Um, and then just also the level of technical talent that's coming out of our academic institutions and research institutions. So startups who are, are well-informed um, and investors who are well-informed, they know what Alberta has to offer. And, um, and they see the benefit of staying here while also looking to other markets to continue to grow. Right. It's like looking for growth, whereas inside of Alberta, you can stretch your dollars a little bit further for you sure can. multiple different things, right? Yes. And we also see from our funds, um, you know, they have offices in Alberta through our investment, but they also have offices other places. So other places across Canada, major hubs, um, also Silicon Valley, um, you know, the Western United States, et cetera. But we see more and more that they are encouraging their portfolio companies from other places to actually establish headquarters in Alberta and to hire people in Alberta. Um, so, for instance, we're invested in Inovia Capital, who is an investor in Hopper, um, Bird Scooters, Wellsimple. And you should take a look at how many jobs Hopper and Bird hire for in Alberta. Huge number. Right. Um, so that would surprise some people, but we certainly see that more and more. And we also see that um, with hiring of data scientists, machine learning researchers, um, you know, with establishing lab space here. So we see it on the technical side as well. And it's a really encouraging trend that speaks to the, you know, the high caliber of our academic institutions. So Alberta Enterprise Corporation is not exactly the sexiest name, but I mean, it is <laughs> a crown corporation. Yes. And if we look at maybe the VC funds as being dragons, and I'm referring it to, you know, CBC's Dragon's Den, the AEC could be viewed as possibly the mother of dragons. Sorry, this is a Game of Thrones reference. <laughs> wow, I like that. What is that like in your role in not investing directly with the company, but with the VC funds that do that investment? Mm -hmm. So we invest as a limited partner into those venture capital funds. Um, so we invest alongside pension funds, um, high net worth individuals, corporations, um, sovereign wealth funds, et cetera. Uh, so in terms of investing in those funds, we go through all the same stages essentially that a venture capital investor would go through when vetting potential tech startup investments, right? So we're just sort of one layer removed, I suppose. Um, so it might surprise some people that VCs actually have to go pitch to someone else and that's us, right? So um, they ask us for money and what we do is uh, we construct our portfolio of funds, so the funds we invest in, based on the deal flow needs that exist here in Alberta. So we very much try and match the capital that we bring into the province to the needs that tech startups have here for capital based on their industry and based on their stage. So a big part of that is the deal flow study that we run every couple years. So that's a study that I lead. And from that study, we benchmark the landscape of startups here in Alberta 
as I said, based on their stage, based on their sector, we get a good count on the number of startups, which is very important. We also drill deeper into their challenges in terms of whether that's access to capital or mentorship or access to markets, et cetera. So based on that framework, um, we're able to drill down more specifically into the types of funds we should be targeting. And then from there, we, we get referred a good number of funds. Funds come to us, but we also proactively look for the best funds to invest in. And then we conduct very rigorous due diligence. Um, you know, we, we conduct many, many reference calls uh, to past founders, successful founders, maybe unsuccessful founders, their other limited partners, so we go through that process and we invest based on um, not only financial performance and uh, as a way to reap economic returns and bring those back to the government, but we also invest based on who those VCs are and the level and the quality of mentorship that they're going to provide back to the ecosystem and the connections that they can make for our startups to other markets, to customers, doors they can open for them. Um, and as well as their own business acumen, uh, you know, their venture capital investment experience, but also their operational expertise as well. Mm -hmm. So along with all the other metrics from a financial perspective, it's also looking at things like from a founder side or, or, or the people inside of the VC. And to me, that's always interesting because, you know, just seeing pitches, whether it's on Shark Tank or Dragon's Den, there's so much that also depends on just the founder, right? What they think about the founder, how the founder presents themselves and, and what they view into that, right? And from your experience, like what are the things that you've seen from, I guess, a qualitative people side that defines a successful founder? Hmm. That's a great question. Well, speaking to our VCs, I know a lot of what they look for would be coachability of the founder. So founders tend to be a real mix of being very driven and potentially quite type A, right? They, they want to make things happen. Um, so they're those types of people and they have to be so focused upon their idea and convinced that it is a good one right in order to dedicate fully dedicate themselves and make all the sacrifices that they need to 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 actually drive this venture right so there needs to be that balance between that self-belief and that confidence and that salesmanship of the idea but then also the willingness to take feedback from the vcs and potentially be open to pivoting on their business model or on their beachhead market they need to also be open to feedback where it's warranted. So I, I hear a real focus on, on that balance. Um, I would also say that that person needs to be informed. The maturity of the founder is quite important. Um, they need to have done their homework. They need to know who the competitors are in their space. And there always are competitors. I, I think maybe the thing that VCs hate hearing the most is oh we don't have any competitors <laughs> because everyone does right even the status quo is your competitor right so they want to see that you've actually done that homework and you've been ruthless about 
understanding your competitor's business model. They also look for founders who are very customer focused, right? You don't want to be a solution looking for a problem. It needs to stem from a real problem that customers have and not just a nice to have problem, but like a real pain point that they need to solve. So I think those are the types of founders and the types of ventures that VCs are looking for. Mm -hmm. No, that's interesting because I think the coachability, flexibility, there's a very clear balance that needs to be struck between the two. And sometimes it can get very confusing, right? Like what is the difference between confidence and arrogant yeah. of, of a founder, right? Where Where is that line um, on that personality that helps drive them to get what needs to get done and, and, and taking back feedback of like, oh, you're wrong versus I'll consider it and then tell you you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think the best VCs will, will help the founder arrive at that realization in a nice way. There's all different styles. And it also depends upon the stage at which the founder is at, right? It very much does. Um, if a founder is looking for angel investment at the earliest stage, um, I think the expectations that the angels might have in terms of how well thought out that whole venture is and what the founder knows versus doesn't know, that's very, very different than a startup trying to raise a Series C, for instance, from growth investors, where by that point, you need to be a professional and have it all together for the most part, right? Um, and, and of course, no one person can do everything and be everything. So... A really key part of it, I believe, is knowing where you're strong and knowing where you need some help and then bringing staff around you who are going to fill out those gaps in in your offering. Mm -hmm. And I know startup founders, one of the hardest problems they struggle with is delegation, right? Things that they all used to hold very close to their heart and it's near and dear and for the right reasons. But when it comes to like, mm -hmm. can I give it to someone else to go and do it? That becomes a very uh, difficult struggle internally for them to sometimes to let go. I know for me, it is even for projects and whatnot, right? Like it's just to be my baby. Now I gotta, now I gotta let go of it. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that is such a key part of it. If your business is going to scale, because if you're going to get scale, if you're going to be servicing more customers and actually be growing this business, you can't be the person running all the shows behind the scenes, right? There, there has to be a team of people who you've hired because you trust, right? Absolutely. Um, so that's Absolutely. a really big part of it. Yeah. Typically in other startups I've had experience with, there, I see a lot of what I like to call propeller head syndrome, the higher ups or founders and whatnot, where there's always ideas, they'll pop into their heads and then they'll say, okay, now somehow get it done, right? And there's a little bit of that gap of execution of, what the idea is, getting that idea done and delegating that out properly, right? So what would be the best advice you have on execution of strategy that you've seen? Now, I know you're a bit arm's length, but your experience, I know you've had international experience uh, with, with various different companies. What do you think is the best thing that they can think about in terms of execution of strategy? Mm -hmm. hmm. That's a really great question. I believe a key part of it is having people around you, a group of advisors or investors, particularly a very strong board that has experience in your industry, um, potentially with your business model and other industries, and to be able to kind of put those different lenses 
on what you're doing to better understand, okay, what's worked, what hasn't worked. Um, I, it brings me back to consulting where I would always say to myself, like, let's not reinvent the wheel. What's been done? Um, and what can we borrow from other places that has been successful? So I would say that that's a pretty big part of it. Um, and, and then to ensure that strategy isn't developed in a vacuum, it's developed with consultation of those board members, you're leveraging their experience, right? Um, because if you have the right team around you, these are people who have been successful and done this before. So leveraging that expertise, but also bringing in your C-level executives around the table also. Um, because, I mean, even if the strategy isn't necessarily 100% correct, right? And it's hard to know what the best way to go is. But if you have alignment within your organization, within your leadership team, and you have conviction that everyone is aligned and working toward the same goal, that strategy is going to be a lot more effective than just some report that the CEO dreams up on a weekend in a vacuum. I love napkin reports. Where can we expect that the startup industry in Alberta goes in the next two to three years? Mm. Up, up and away. Like I, I only see us continuing to grow by leaps and bounds. I am anticipating that we will see more unicorns and I'm hopeful that we will see more of the individuals who have started these companies then turning around and becoming angel investors and mentors, A100 members, and seeding the next generation of entrepreneurs. That's a very important dynamic that has been so successful in more mature ecosystems, right? If you look at Silicon Valley, if you look at the PayPal mafia, um, like that is the model that drives innovation. So I want to see that. Um, I'm also very excited to see the presence of more globally recognizable accelerator programs in the province through some of these initiatives um, by OSIF and Alberta Innovates and, and others um, to, to bring in the curriculum and the brand and the mentors and the access to other networks that is really going to get our ecosystem to the next level. Um, but all the ingredients that we have, they're great. I think we just need to see more. <laughs> yeah, and I believe that we will. Awesome. Well, hopefully we'll be able to go and build that team of unicorns inside of Alberta and uh, see where that industry goes. Yeah. So if people want to go and reach out to you or to find out more about Alberta Enterprise Corporation or Start Alberta, where should they go? Well, I would encourage everyone to go to Start Alberta. So ecosystem.startalberta.ca is the place to go to explore Alberta's deal flow platform. Uh, and to connect with investors, both locally and globally. In terms of connecting with me, of course, I'm always happy to connect. And uh, LinkedIn is a good place to reach me. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me today on this episode of Organized Chaos Cafe. And look forward to seeing more things out of Alberta and the startup industry here. Thanks so much for having me, Ben. So that's a brief glimpse into the startup industry within Alberta. It's definitely an exciting and growing area. And... Hopefully, this is something that continues to thrive and we see that flywheel of growth turning into reinvestment into the startup industry. If you've got ideas or a corporation you're looking to be able to get off the ground, go and find out some of these resources and hopefully you'll be able to go and grow your company as well.
Thanks, and I'll catch you next time on the next episode of Organized Chaos Cafe. Music is brought to you by Gabriella Shu. Go check her out at hillbrightmusic.com. Thanks again for listening to the Organized Chaos Cafe. This is brought to you by Climb Consulting. That's C-L-Y-M-B. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or go to our website at www.climbconsulting.ca. Thank you.